Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Hebrews chapter 12, which means we only have one more chapter to go in this awesome, awesome book. It has just been uh, so exciting for me to break this book down. Uh, I remember taking the book of Hebrews in in Bible college, uh, but I don't remember it being anything like uh, of what we've been breaking down and, and studying. I've learned so much. It's just, it's just a rich, very, very rich uh, book that is it, it's it's so encouraging uh, f- to hear how. The author is just pumping up these Christians who are going into Judaism. They're going back into Judaism and they're leaving Jesus. And he's just, it's like he's just, he's giving them everything that he has to just throw out all this encouragement that he can to to get them to fix their eyes on Jesus and to stay with Jesus because Jesus is better. And, 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 And if you walk away from this sacrifice, you're walking away from the only one that can get you into heaven. And he's sitting at the Father's right hand. So stay with Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember how it was when you first started following Jesus. He, he, he's pulling out all the stops to get his readers to focus on Jesus and not on the persecution that they're going with. And and so he tells them to, to fix their eyes on Jesus. He tells them to run the race with endurance. And he tells them to consider Jesus who counted it all joy to, to endure the cross and the, because he knew what was awaiting on the other side of, the, uh, of all that pain and agony that he was going to endure during that time. And then uh, he's, he, he ascended back to the Father and he sits at the Father's right hand and he, he's in a place of honor and a power and authority. And then he tells his readers, he, he says, look, God loves you, you know, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus, but here's the deal. If he loves you, he's going to discipline you. And, and, and nobody wants to talk about being disciplined by, by God, uh, because we want to think about God being as all loving and, 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 and how uh, he blesses us, not how he whoops us or spanks us because, you know, we, we, we do wrong, um, but that's exactly what he focused his attention on and uh, after saying, hey, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. And he says, God loves you. And this is how God shows his love to you is by disciplining you. And if he doesn't discipline you, that means he doesn't love you because you're an illegitimate child. You don't belong to God. And, and so he, he's going to now shift his focus again in the same chapter and, and he tells him, he says, so take a new grip with your tired hands. Yes, they're, they're tired. Uh, they're, they, they've, they've, they've gone through a lot with their walk with Christ, with, uh, with, with their faith, and, and they've been beaten. Uh, I'm sure their families have been threatened. They've lost everything they've had. They've been put in prison. And, and so they're tired. And he says, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Find that second wind. Listen to this crowd that surrounds us. And, it is, and they've been there. They've seen the promises come to fruition. 
They stayed faithful. They stayed the course. They did not give up. And, and so find a second win from their examples. And he says, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. In other words, be an example for those that are walking with you. Those that you should be encouraging to run to Jesus, not run away from Jesus, but run to Jesus. Mark out a straight path so that they can see your example and follow you, and and and, and their path will will be already mowed down and be easier to walk, and and they will not fall, but they will become strong. And then he says, he says, a four-letter word. That, that we do not like to think about our Christian walk being. He says, work. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So two times in a row, right in that one verse, in verse 14, he mentions the word work. And we as Christian people, you know, we already work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. Some people are married to their job, and it's all they do is work. They have no life outside of their job. And so they don't want to hear, I got to work to go to heaven. I, I, I got to work to, to for uh, salvation. And you're thinking, you don't have to work to be saved because Jesus paid on us by grace. You are saved through faith. I know what Paul says, but I also know what James says. And James says, if we don't work, our faith is dead. Because he he says, faith without works is dead. I believe that's James chapter 2 and that whole chapter is about that. So we can say we have faith, but if we don't work to show our faith, James says, that don't fly. That don't fly. So there is Things, there are things that we have to do to be saved. What do you have to be saved? I hear preachers say this all the time. What do, you have, what do you have to do? Oh, you don't have to do anything to be saved. Christ done paid it all. That's true. Christ did pay it all. And his blood does wash us. But guess what? There are things we have to do. And we have to. That's why Jesus said, work out your own salvation why would jesus say work out your own salvation if we didn't have to work out our salvation there are things that we have to do it is a four-letter word called work and that's why he says one of the things you have to do is work in living at peace with everyone that's not an easy thing to do it you're not gonna no matter if you're the nicest man or woman on this planet Somebody is not going to like you. Somebody is going to give you a hard time. There will be someone in your life that you cannot live peaceably with. I mean, just the perfect example is Jesus. The dude went around doing nothing but good, healing people, feeding people, taking, casting out demons, just taking care of people left and right. People were coming from all over, bringing their sick and afflicted and those who had demons, and Jesus would take care of them. But Jesus still had enemies, and he had a lot of enemies, and he was the best dude that's ever walked the face of this planet, and yet he had enemies. He was not at peace, or people were not, not all people were at peace, I should say, with 
Jesus. They gave him a hard time. They tried to stone him over and over again, and they wound up uh, getting him beaten and, and nailed to a cross. And they thought they, you know, they thought they had pulled it off. They had got rid of this blasphemer that they said Jesus was. <clears throat> but the Hebrew author tells his audience, he says, "Work at living in peace with everyone." Paul says in Romans 12, 18, he says, if it is possible. Now, why would Paul say that? Why would he start that passage off? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because Paul knows it's not possible to live at peace with anyone. How does Paul know that? Because he has people that are literally chasing him from city to city and trying to kill him. They've gotten a hold of him several times. They have beaten him. They have flogged him. They have stoned him. Paul knew what it was like to try to live in peace with everyone. He was like Jesus. He loved people. He wanted people to, to come to Jesus. He wanted to be that example for Jesus. That's why he says, imitate me as I imitate God, as I imitate, imitate Christ. But Paul knew that it was impossible to live at peace with all people. But he also knew that as far as it goes for each and every one of us, we're to strive to live at peace with everyone. That's why he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you. Somebody may be upset with you. Somebody may be mad at you. Somebody may be angry with you. But how do you handle that situation? Handle it with love and peace. We are to do whatever we can to keep peace. Work, he says, work at living in peace with everyone. And then he says, work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Well, there's only one way to be holy, and that's to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Spirit, and to be living for Him on a constant basis, on every day basis. That's why Paul says, I die daily. I die to myself. He says, be clothed with Christ in the book of Romans. And just like we put on our garments every day, we are to put on Christ every morning before we even get out of the bed. We are focusing on Jesus. We're to put on the armor of God. Why? So that we can uh, fight against this enemy out there that comes against us who, who who tries to discourage us like these people are here in the book of Hebrews. They, they have been discouraged and they're not worrying about living a holy life. They're leaving Jesus and going back into Judaism, which is a, 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 an obsolete uh, um, it's, it's an obsolete religion. It's, it's, it's worthless. It's useless. It, it can't save them. It can't get them into the presence of God anymore. And, and, and so they, they've kind of quit living a holy life because they're leaving Jesus. And so he is trying to get them to understand, hey, we've got this standard. We're not under this old covenant anymore. We're under this new covenant. And we've got this standard that we're judged by, which is God's word, right? This, Our lives literally depend on this book, which is why if we're not in the word of God, we can't live a holy life because we don't know how to live a holy life. If, if God's word is our standard, 
And that standard is our guide for living a holy life and how to be pleasing to God. If we're not in the book, then how do we know how to be pleasing to God? How do we know what God requires of us and wants us to do and not do? Not that it's a rule book. It's a book of love and how God has redeemed us and he's saved us and he's filled us with his spirit. But when we read the word of God, we read what is pleasing to God. And therefore, the spirit that is within us wants to please God. And so we follow our God on how to please God. We want to live holy as he is holy. And the only way that we can live holy is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and because that's God living inside of us. And we're walking daily, on a daily basis, with Jesus. And that's exactly what these Hebrew people, or the, these, this Jewish Christian audience, is not doing. They, 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 they're turning from Jesus. They're walking away from Jesus. And so he says, hey, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life because if you if you quit working on being holy and pleasing God he says you're not going to see the Lord it's that simple it's it's literally it, you're in danger you're literally in danger if you walk away from Jesus and you quit striving to live for Jesus and please God you're just going, you know, you're just pleasing yourself and living the way you want to live. And you want to think you're okay with God because you, at one time you were uh, baptized into Jesus and you, you confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're just doing your own thing and living your own life and you're not in the Word. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And that's exactly what's going on here with this audience that it would have been reading this letter to these Jewish Christians. They're leaving Jesus. They're going back into Judaism and, 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 they think their holiness is in a bunch of, uh, of rituals and, and an obsolete religion that is useless. And he's trying to say, hey, it's in Jesus. You've got to stick with Jesus. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got to consider Jesus. You've got to remember what Jesus has done for you. Um, then he goes on to say, verse 15, look after each other, uh, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. What is that even possible? Well, if it's not possible, then why would he say that? But I thought grace was this great, huge umbrella that we're all under. God's grace, is, is, it, it just covers a multitude of sins. God's grace, it just covers me. It washes me. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. He wrote that for a reason. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded this, his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward when he wa uh, wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance even though he begged with bitter tears. Paul says it like this in Philippians 2.4. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That's how he started verse 15 off. That's why a lot of people think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, because this sounds a lot like Paul. But if it's not Paul, it's one of Paul's contemporaries. 
the cylinder Paul for a long time. He says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. You know, make sure that uh, no one is immoral. So in other words, you're, you're helping one another on this journey to heaven. And, and Paul said in Philippians 2.4, like I just read, everyone should look, not, look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That just flies in the face of today's society. Because we're a bunch of selfish people who look out for numero uno. It's all about me and what I want, and I don't care about you as long as I get mine. That's the way the world is. That's not the way we are to live as followers of Christ. We are to, it's blessed, it's more blessed to give than receive. What's giving? It's being selfless. We're giving away something that belongs to us to somebody else who's in need. Selfishness says, hey, this is mine. I, I worked hard for this. I, I bought this with my own money that I, I earned uh, very uh, I worked a lot of hours. I, I put in a lot of time. I've got my money. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's selfish. And, 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 and selfish says, I'm going to take care of me, not you. I don't care about you. You, you. you need to worry about yourself and make it on your own. But that's not what Christianity is about. And that's not what the Hebrew author says. And that's not what Paul says. And that's not what James says or Jesus and others. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. You know, there's some root of bitterness. I can see some root of bitterness coming up in you. We need to deal with this. Or make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. We'll talk about that in just a second. Because we are to point out when somebody sins. It's not always easy. It's not comfortable at all. But it is necessary. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. James says it like this in 5, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth, what? Oh, is oh, what, James? Did you just say it? Someone, away from, uh, someone among you wanders away from the truth? Oh, I didn't know that was even possible. I thought it was once saved, always saved. I'm telling you, read your word. Read your Bible. It's, it's amazing when you read it for yourself and you break it down and study it for yourself instead of taking some preacher's word. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. James 5, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians. If someone among you wanders away from the truth, so it is possible for someone to wander away from the truth, or James would have not written that in his letter. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, oh, hey, but you can bring them back. You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And see, that's what, that's what the Hebrew author had just said in, in chapter 10. He says, look, you're leaving Jesus and going back into Judaism. There remains no more sacrifice for your sins if you leave Jesus. 
you better get back over here to Jesus where you belong so that you you can have an avenue to heaven because Jesus is the only way. He's sitting at the Father's right hand and he's making intercession for you. And if you walk away from Jesus, he's not making intercession for you anymore. And that's exactly what James is saying here. If you walk away from Je- you walk away from Jesus, you walk away from the faith, you walk away from the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life you you walk away from jesus you're in trouble you better hope that somebody brings you back and you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of sin that's exactly what the hebrew author is trying to do to his audience he's trying to number one bring the ones who have left and went to judaism back to jesus and he's trying to get the ones who are considering leaving jesus to stick it out with Jesus, to stay in the faith and continue their walk to endure. That's why he says in chapter 10, verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let me tell you something. That means we have to get outside of ourselves and get in the lives of one another. We have to love the people that we go to a church service with. We have to love those who call themselves a brother or sister in Christ. That's why it's so important that we don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Because if we're bitter towards somebody, if we're angry, if we're upset towards somebody, we're not going to help them. We, we, we don't care if they go to hell or not. Because we're upset with them. And they're upset with us. So, hey, I'm not going to get involved in their lives. Let them go to hell. That's the wrong attitude. That's not the attitude of Jesus. Consider one another. Uh, if one of you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, how are they going to be brought back? By us getting involved in their life, pointing out their sin and say, out of love and say, hey, you're, you're walking down a dangerous path here. You need to stop. Think about what you're doing and come back to Jesus so that you can be saved. Because you continue down this path, you're in deep trouble. Your soul is in deep trouble. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work so we're we're to look after one another we're to encourage each other to keep on going when times are hard we're to support one another but also in love we're to tell one another that they're in sin so that they can be restored jesus says it like this in matthew 18 23 to 25 and this is this is not an easy thing to do i've seen this done and i i've i've actually done it um but I've seen it get to the third degree. It, it was not a pretty sight, but it worked. If one, if if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. So there, there's what Jesus said. If somebody sins against you, you 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 don't ignore that person. You don't get bitter, angry, and all that jazz. You you go to them privately, one on one, and say, "Hey, this happened. This is how I felt. We need to work this out." If the other person listens and confesses it, Jesus says, you have won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful and you know you're in the right and you've done been to this person one-on-one and it didn't work, you take one or two others with you and you go back again so that everything may, uh, everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So now it's not one-on-one, but now you have witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, Jesus says, take your case to the church. Put it out there in front of the whole church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, 
treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector, an outcast, in other words. But if they, hey, if they listen, hopefully they listen to you when you go to them one-on-one. If they don't, you take two or three witnesses. If that don't help and they don't listen, you bring it before the whole church and the whole church says, hey, you're in the wrong here. You either get it right or you're out. I mean, that that's the words of Jesus. Not always easy, but definitely necessary. And, and another thing I want to cover real quick before moving on is um, he says, we have to be careful that no root of bitterness springs up between us. Because the, the Hebrew author says, this corrupts many, this root of bitterness. Paul says in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Here's the thing about that group of words. They all go together. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. It's just all lumped together. And Paul says it's evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And that is the key. When somebody has wronged us, no matter what they did, you can fill in the blank. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it hurts. You don't understand what they did to me. You're right, I don't. Unless it's something that I've gone through myself, then I would understand. But I can tell you this, I I know when somebody wrongs you, it hurts. It hurts a lot. But we wronged God. And God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And he has forgiven us if we have called on Jesus as our Lord and Savior and have been washed in his blood, been baptized, immersed in water, and been filled with his Holy Spirit. We have been forgiven. Paul says that we were enemies to God, and yet Jesus died for us. So why can't we forgive others when they've wronged us? No matter what they've done, you fill in the blank with whatever. That's how you keep the root of bitterness growing in. Because that's what the that's what roots do. Roots grow deep into the soil. And, and they get deep, deep in their heart. Like a weed, they're hard to pull. You have to pull them up by the root. If you don't, they keep growing back. And this root of bitterness is like that weed. It just grows deep roots and it's hard to get rid of. And the only way to get rid of it is in Jesus. But if we hang on to that bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, that evil behavior, it's not good. But if we focus on one another, trying to work it out, being tenderhearted to each other, and here's the key, forgiving one another because we have been forgiven. By, as a matter of fact, Jesus says, if you don't forgive somebody their trespasses, my heavenly Father will not forgive you. So we have to forgive. We have to forgive. If you want to know if you have bitterness towards someone, just ask yourself this question. When I think of, and you fill in the blank with a name, do I have anger? Do I have rage toward that person? Am I always just talking with harsh words toward that person? Or when I think about them, do I immediately just start slandering their name, that person? I can't stand them. I can't believe, you know, whatever. 
If the answer is yes to any of those, then the root of bitterness is deep within your heart and it needs to be taken care of. And the only way to take care of it is in Christ and forgiving. No matter what they've done, as hard as it is, ask Christ for help. He goes on to say in verse 18, You have not come to a physical mountain to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did on Mount Sinai. That's when Moses is getting the Ten Commandments. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And to, now this is a beautiful picture, and to the countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God Himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. Why? Because they've come to Christ. You have come to Jesus, verse 24, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. In other words, you have come to the right place. You are right where you need to be with Jesus. So don't leave and don't go back to this Judaism, which it's empty, it's obsolete, it's it's useless. It's not going to do you any good. No matter how many sacrifices you make in Judaism, it's not going to wash away your sins. You are at the right place. You're with Jesus. Don't leave Jesus. He says, be careful. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. He's talking about himself. And I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger. We will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. So he's saying, hey, I'm writing you this letter. You need to listen to me. But not only is he saying you need to listen to me, but you better be listening to God. Because he's, I think he's saying, I'm a spokesperson for God here. I, I'm, I am, I am speaking on God's behalf, and I'm trying to encourage you to stick it out with Jesus. I'm an earthly messenger, but hey, there's one who is speaking from heaven, and he's speaking directly to you that you better stick it out and stay with Jesus, because we cannot escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, there's, there's, the, there's the only unshakable thing on this planet is the kingdom of God. Um, this means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that the uh, only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and 
please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. I believe other translations say a consuming fire. But notice he says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. In other words, when you come to Jesus or when you came to Jesus, you were placed in his kingdom, the church. But this is an ongoing process. It's not over. And this is what he's been saying throughout the whole letter. It's not over until you cross the finish line and you need to keep running the race. You need to keep working. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus and make a straight path towards him and keep walking toward Jesus because the message is loud and clear. And he says, you better listen to me. That's what the author says. He says, if you quit now, you aren't a you are not a part of the kingdom. Because if you walk away from Jesus, you're walking away from the only way. The only way your sins are forgiven and you are walking away from the one, the only one who sits at the Father's right hand in the place of honor. And what is Jesus doing? Sitting at the Father's right hand, he is interceding on our behalf. That's what he's been saying throughout the whole book. And that's why he's saying Jesus is better. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's, he sent the Father's right hand. He's making intercession for you. But if you walk away from Jesus, then he's not interceding on your behalf anymore. So, since we are receiving, it, it's a continual action. It's an everyday thing. We, since we are receiving, it, we don't receive it until we cross the finish line and we're standing in the presence of God himself, in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, with all the angels in heaven. Whether that's if we die or Jesus comes back, that's when it's over. But as of right now, we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, he says, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a divine or a consuming fire. So I think he just gave us a recipe on how to stay faithful to God right here. Three things, three things I'm going to share that he gives. This recipe. The first thing he says Here's what you need to focus on. Let us be thankful. Let us be thankful. When I was growing up, when we sing hymns, Northside Baptist Church, Milan, Tennessee, I was there for the first 19 years of my life. We sang those old hymns. We sang this one. Uh, it's called, I believe the name was Count Your Many Blessings. The first verse goes like this. When upon, a light, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You can look up the rest of those lyrics. I think there's three other verses in that uh, in that hymn. Uh, I think in the, the, the Baptist church that I, that I was raised in, Northside, I think we would do like first, second, third, fifth or first, second, 
skip a third and go to the fourth. I don't remember how many verses in there, but I know we was always skipping a verse in all of our hymns. But if we, it, it, it's so easy to get bogged down on what's going on in our life. This this life challenge has come along. Something has happened in our life that has just knocked us for a loop, and and we've gotten our focus off of Jesus. We've gotten our focus off of God. God has become very small in our lives, or maybe even disappeared. But I promise you, if we would just start. And if, if this is a good place to start. Is just start instead of focusing on what's going wrong in your life and going on in your life, focus on, hey, God has allowed me to get out of bed this morning. God has allowed me to breathe today. God has allowed my heartbeat today. God has allowed me to get up and, and get going. God's allowing me to use my hands. God's allowing me to see. God's allowing me to hear. God's allowing me to smell. Unless you have COVID and you can't smell or taste. God is allowing me to do... I mean, you should just start naming all of these things. And all of a sudden, you become thankful for the blessings that God has given you. And your focus now, instead of being on the situation at hand, it's now on God where it needs to be. Your eyes are fixed on Jesus and we're thankful for everything that He is doing and has done and will do for us. The second thing He says, He says, not only um, should we be thankful, but He says we should please God by worshiping Him. Now, this morning I, I listened to a bunch of different podcasts because I... I that's how I get fed. I listen to a bunch of different preachers and and uh, um, and Bible studies, um, and so I was listening to Rick Warren this morning, and in his podcast, he was talking about how uh, his parents had always taught him that when uh, a difficult situation arises in life, just start worshiping God. Literally, start singing praises and worship God. And then he talked about. Uh, uh, how him and his sister and his dad were on a bridge and this car came over into their lane so his dad had to jerk real quick and when he jerked the car over real quick the he said the seat belts were just nothing back then just a little strap and so his sister was i think he said she was like two years old two or three years old and it she got flung out of the car and she was uh went flying through some gravel it was on the, the the bridge and and she was cut up really bad, and they had to carry her to the emergency room. And so he said, he said I was so tore up. He said, but I remembered what my parents had taught me to start praising and worshiping God. He said, so I, that's exactly what I did. He said, I started worshiping God and singing praises to God. And he said, almost immediately that uh, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding came over him, and he felt peace. And we see this uh, over and over and over throughout the book of Psalms. Um, David was constantly lifting his eyes to heaven and and worshiping God. And he would sing praises and you know he would throw in the selahs, which means take take a, a pause and you know really concentrate on this. But when tough times come, and David had plenty of them. 
he had people wanting him dead. He had brought a bunch of stuff on himself from the sins that he committed. And he was king. And so people were, you know, just constantly after him. Even his own family was trying to kill him. His own son was trying to kill him and take over his throne. But anyway, David had plenty of stuff going on that he could be focusing on. But over and over again, he would just raise his eyes toward him. Or he'd fall prostrate on the ground. But anyway, he would focus on God. And he would just start praising God. And and he would begin to feel better. And you could see that in his writings. Um, not to mention that God loves it when we, when we uh, worship him uh, in spirit and truth. But when we just start saying, he says he talks about it being a sweet smell or a sweet uh, savor into his nostrils throughout the Old Testament when uh, Israel would worship uh, worship him. But I, I I think about the example in Acts chapter sixteen of Paul and Silas. They're beaten uh, uh, without being questioned. They're just beaten and they're thrown in prison. And, and instead of you know looking at the situation and, 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 and saying, woe is me, uh, Paul and Silas, what do they do? They begin to sing praises to God. They're shackled in this nasty, probably rat and bug infested place. It's pitch black dark. Uh, it, it's not a five-star hotel here. I mean, it's a nasty prison, Roman prison. And, and they just start singing praises to God. Then what, what, what happens? A big earthquake comes and all the, the shackles fall off, all the gates of the jail. Uh, the, the prisoners could escape, but they didn't. They all stayed there. Um, but God showed his mighty power because of Paul and Silas and their, their praise to him. And God was showing his uh, um, acceptance, if you will, and, 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 and showing the his power and then the the jailer and his whole family wind up becoming followers of Jesus because of what had taken place there in that prison in Acts chapter 16. And so the Hebrew author says we got to be thankful because when we're thankful we're focusing on Jesus we're we're focusing on God and his blessings and then we please God by worshiping him. Well, we're definitely focused on God when we are worshiping God, but he says but not only to worship God, but worship Him with holy fear and awe. And I, I, I'm just going to be honest here. In my opinion, too many people, especially in the church, church today, Christians have lost their fear and their awe of God. And I, just consider this. When you, when you lay down tonight, consider this before you fall asleep. Our soul, your soul, my soul, it literally rests in the hands of God. Whether we accept Jesus now, whether we if we accept Him now and lead Jesus now, or whether we stay faithful until we die and we cross that finish line, if we never accept Jesus, every person that ever has walked the face of this earth is going to face God. And our souls are literally in the hands. He can either send us to hell or send us into heaven. Literally. So we better fear Him and we better respect Him. Psalm 33 verse 8. There's a ton of verses about this. But Psalm 33 verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. 
Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That's a great, great verse. Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Acts 2, 43. And all came upon every soul. This is when uh, the 3,000, about 3,000 were baptized into Christ after Peter preaches that first sermon on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. Acts 2.43, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They were just in awe. So much great respect for God. And knowing that, that God is omnipotent, He's all-powerful. He, he, he's just so holy and so... That's why... What happens to people when they come into the presence of God? Old Testament and New Testament, they just fall, they collapse. I mean, it, it, just from the power of God. That's why Moses wanted to see God's glory. And God says, you can't see my face, man. You, nobody can see my face and live. And so he let him see his backside. But God is holy. And he's a consuming fire. And we better fear God. And we better respect God. And we better have this awe for God. And this is exactly what the Jewish Christians were struggling with because that's why they were able to, so easily to walk away from Jesus and go back into Judaism because they lost it. They lost their fear for God. They lost that awe of what Jesus had done on the cross in that empty tomb. And so the Hebrew authors reminded them to think back, to remember when they first started following Jesus. To reach deep within and to find that fear, that sense of awe and respect that they had for him when they first started walking with Jesus. And to keep walking with him and not away from him. Walk with him. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've lost that fear. Maybe you've lost that respect. Maybe you've lost that awe for God. And I, I'm, I'm just saying, start with counting your blessings. When you lay your head down tonight, just start going through. When you wake up in the morning, just start counting your blessings and be thankful for the blessings that God has given you. Begin to worship Him and praise Him for all that He has done. And then all of a sudden, He becomes bigger and your problems, your situations become smaller. And that's, that's, that's the way it should be. And then you fix your eyes on Jesus and you continue walking toward Jesus, toward that finish line. And then you grab one another by the hand, forgiving one another. That root of bitterness is going away because you're focusing on Jesus. You're forgiving. And, and, and God is becoming bigger and your situations are becoming smaller. And together you're encouraging one another to cross that finish line and that's what i'm trying to do with this podcast is to encourage you to keep on keeping on to to not quit not to give up but to keep walking with jesus and if there's anything that i can pray with you about any way that i could possibly help you or put put you in touch with somebody in your area if you're not local if you're not anywhere around maryville or knoxville in this area i will help you find somebody in your area they will pray for you. They'll help meet any need that you have. They will answer any questions that you have about Jesus, about God, 
about the Bible, how to become a Christian, anything that we can help you with, just contact us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and I will promptly respond to your email and answer it in the best way that I possibly can. Thank you for listening today. We're going to start with Hebrews 13 in the next podcast. I haven't read it yet and haven't studied it yet, so I don't know how many podcasts it's going to take. But Hebrews 13 is the last chapter, and I believe I'm going to go to the book of Matthew and break down another gospel. We've covered John and we covered Luke. So I want to start with Matthew and get back to Jesus. And then after that, only the Lord knows. We'll see. But thank you again for listening today. Thank you for sharing the Grinded Pod- Podcast. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.